we are on video on Spotify. Oh, yeah. So if you are one of the majority who listen to this podcast on Spotify, open up your app and you'll see our little faces in the corner. Might be big faces if you've got one of those plus iPhones. Oh, yeah. One of those, basically an iPad that you hold to your face. I just got an iPhone, as you know, iPhone 13. Jumped it's been a big upgrade a for you. 10. Yeah, it's weird how Apple do this. Like, you know that you've heard the complaint about battery life with like how it's unbelievable that in however many years of the iPhone, they still haven't cracked like a battery being able to last more than a day or two. Mm-hmm. And then you think, well, compare the camera performance or like all of the, just the functionality of an original iPhone to what they can do now. And the fact that the battery's pretty similar is crazy. That it's even better, isn't it? To, yeah, because yeah, it has to power a lot more stuff. So much more. Like if you put the battery from an iPhone 13 into an iPhone 3G, like the original one, it's probably multiple days of uh, of performance, isn't it? That's, that's a very good way of looking at it. I just, just uh, I mean, how great would it be if you if your phone lasted like three weeks on one charge? Hmm, it's a very uh, glass half full mentality. <laughs> what do you mean? <laughs> rather than thinking like, look how bad the battery life is, it's uh, look, right. look how far it's come. How often do you charge your phone? nightly like just overnight charge it yeah yeah i'm the same it's important to start each day afresh isn't it i think if you if you're waking up with half a battery it's yeah it's a it's risky. a bad move I, it feels vulnerable because you can't pay for stuff you you know you go out you lose your location and obviously the the muscle of locate orienting yourself has atrophied so much in our generation because we just don't follow signs anymore we don't look at our surroundings we just follow the little arrow on Google Maps. So there's a thing actually that something I experienced within the first day of changing phone. Firstly, the experience of moving an iPhone from one to another. You know, there's a little swirly thing. You mm. hold the camera over one iPhone to the other and it's like, new iPhone. So I then just went about my life, but with the new iPhone. Went to into a shop to pay for something, didn't have my wallet and realized that you still have to set up your card again, manually on mm. Apple Wallet. Um, but I realized then how reliant on Apple Pay I've become. So did you just run out with the item? Yes, I, just I, had, I had to steal it, yeah. Luckily, I've got away well, with it. Like, uh, No, well, I went you, back to you, my car and got my you, wallet. You're 94 kilos, so you can be like, well, you can try and take me down, but I've got a big deadlift. So. There'd be someone who knew, like, who's like black belt BJJ, and that would be that. Would be that. They're really good at blowjob job, and they'll just... Yeah, balancing yeah. blowjob job with their training. <laughs> So you said you had a business story. Yeah, it's, it's sort of businessy. Um, okay. More just to get your opinion on it. So we, um, I'm getting married in September. And with that comes lots of like, dealing with what, what are essentially like lots of little businesses that provide a specific thing, a really, a really sort of niche, almost quite weird outside the context of a wedding service. So this particular company that we're dealing with at the moment provide like i don't know if you've been to a lot of weddings you'll know what i mean but you sit at the table and your name is often like on the place and they all these like fancy little sort of table decorations that's what this company does pretty much just that and so they they gave us a like the brochure they gave us the the prices and the quote and then at the bottom of the quote um, and i'm not going to name who this is because this is a i'm about to criticize them at the bottom of the quote they were like oh and um Plus, plus 20% VAT, and this is the total. So in their customer brochure, they've quoted all of their prices net of VAT, right? So it's like a magazine with all the numbers in, and they're all like £7.50. So you look at it and you think, well, that's the price. And nowhere does it say doesn't include VAT. But when you get the quote over email, they just slap 20% on. Mm, and when you ask okay. them why they've done that, they go, oh, well, we're a VAT-registered business, so we have to charge VAT. It's like, so's, so's Tesco. Like, that doesn't mean that, <laughs> that you get to the till and you're like, fuck, yeah, my shopping is 20% more expensive. Yeah, that, it's, it, it's a non-answer to say we are a VAT-registered business, therefore. So th- this is a wedding-related product that you buy. It's a service and a product, yeah. So they okay. will come and, like, arrange it, 
arrange these items and then i think you're actually technically renting the items from them right and it, and um, it's is it primarily used for weddings yeah so how many weddings do you think are booked by a vat registered organization none well close to none <laughs> so that was my first question very difficult to get that by the tax man isn't it but like, oh, it was a business <laughs> expense <laughs> yeah. So I, I, that was because Becca was dealing with them. So that was my first question to her. Like, do they, do they deal with typically? Do they deal with like the wedding venue? Like, are they expecting that they're the personal claim? Uh, okay. She's like, no, no, no. This is like a they sell to people who are getting married. The, the bride and groom who who it's won't just, be able to claim claim back the vat. Yeah. 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 Like it. So imme <laughs> just immediate loss of trust. Immediate like. <laughs> It just makes me not at all want to work with them because it feels like a, it feels like they're trying to pull a fast one at the last minute. You know, like, oh, if we say, if we slap the 20% on the price at the last minute, even though they've, we've agreed the quote and they, they also have a minimum spend, but they're not mm. clear whether, whether the minimum spend is inclusive or exclusive of VAT because they've, they've gone down that road of making that distinction that now no one's sure what's got that on it and what hasn't. I see. So, so you think it's they're trying to pull a fast one rather than just appear official, like by putting kind I regards at the end of an email. Feel official, like who who does that in the UK? Who does that? <laughs> I'm really trying to play devil's advocate for them, but I'm struggling. <laughs> I know. So, I think in in the US, that sort of thing is common practice, where the price is net, and then there's the sales tax that gets added on afterwards, and then there's the total. So, when you're shopping in a shop in the US, typically you don't see the sales tax inclusive included in that price but in the uk mm -hmm. most businesses you interact with are vat registered which is turnover over i think it's like eighty-five thousand a year right so most companies are so most companies are charging vat especially companies that sell to consumers and they don't quote it net they quote it including vat so yeah. i think the lesson is because th this is this is the sort of thing that i've seen a few internet marketers do this recently where they'll say my course is nine nine seven, tiny little brackets plus oh, VAT. Like that's your cost. I know. That's not my cost. Yeah. Yeah. Um, like up your price. You know, if you if you become VAT registered and you think, well, I want to pass the VAT onto a consumer, up your price. Don't try and like lure someone in for a low price and then sneak it. Try and sneak it past them at the checkout because it, it's just it's off putting, isn't it? Yeah, I think that's a that's a good lesson. I suppose the lesson is like how quickly you can lose trust with, with someone. Um, you know, it's one thing, one like lack of clarification. I suppose maybe I'm being a little bit harsh, but I think because it's so unusual, because I don't think I've ever encountered a business in the UK that does that. And it's conveniently something they don't, if they say in the brochure, everything's net of VAT, fine. You know what I mean? If they're upfront about it, but I don't know who yeah. It's not benefiting anyone apart from them to distinguish it's, it like that. It's the old classic of it takes a lifetime to build a reputation and an instant to to ruin it. But that is kind of like an opt-in, opt-out thing of like organ donation, where it, if you were to say, I'll charge the price, oh, by the way, we're VAT registered, so if you want to claim it back on your end, you can do that. Nice. Brilliant. That's trust building. Trust building, Yeah. yeah. Because like you, know, you go to B and Q, you can claim the VAT back, but no one bills you net of VAT. They they mm. assume that like if you want to claim the VAT back, that's your that's your thing to do. Yeah. Ah, oh, so I've got speaking of VAT, I got successfully cold outreached the other day. Congratulations. Thank you. It was it was brilliant actually. Um, so I was sat at my desk right here in the window. Wouldn't have worked if we were recording, but. Luckily, I was not recording at the time. Thank heavens. And guy walked past with like noise blocking earphone things and a strimmer. And he was like, hello. And I so opened the door and he was like, do you want your garden doing? Your front yard? And I was like, yeah, okay. Um, how much for front yard and, and backyard? He was like, 40 quid. I'm like, great. <laughs> Thanks. <laughs> so... We've we've already spoken about this. I know I'm supposed to be faking surprise, <gasps> but I'm, I'm going to ask you the same set of questions because I think it's a it's an interesting mm -hmm. another like price based case study, right? So when you told me this, I was like, if he'd said 
70 quid. Would you have... Well, he was like, 70 quid. And I go, okay. And he goes, oh, obviously, plus VAT. Huh. <laughs> so that, you see what I mean? See how, how yeah. shitty that feels? How, like, <laughs> shitty and scammy that feels? It's awful, isn't it? <laughs> Especially if... Because in, in that analogy, it'd be like, 70 quid. And then you'd go like, all right, I'll just go get my wallet. You go out, you get your wallet. You start, like, going through paperwork. And he goes, oh, it's plus VAT as well, mate. It's all right. Like, well, actually, because I'm not a VAT registered company myself, I don't know whether you've noticed. It's actually irrelevant. It actually does matter. Yeah. (laughs) It's true. You wouldn't wouldn't have paid 75. You wouldn't have paid 100, would you? I wouldn't have paid 100. I think just between 50, between, like, well, between zero and 60. And you feel like you've got, like, you're going to use them again? Yeah, definitely. Because, like, him and his mate did it in... Oh, it was two of them? Yeah, him, him and his wife, I think. Like, an hour and a half. So that's three hours of my work that I would be much slower at, terrible at, and don't have the equipment. That that thing of, like... Because we, we have some gardeners that no longer work for us. No longer work for us. No longer come around the house. Work for us sounds weird. Um... And they they quoted us an hourly rate, but they used to send like three kids round for twenty minutes, and argue that that's an hour. Uh, okay. And I like I kind of know what they mean, but there are some things that just take longer. Like you know, there's only one lawnmower, for example. You know, you can't mm, you can't like interesting. You, you're limited by different things. So unless they bring their own lawnmowers, well, to, to be honest. I've kind of got an issue with someone charging an hourly rate because unless you're the one enjoying the hours. So if you're going for like a massage and you're, that makes sense because you're experiencing an hour of the service. But if it's a gardening, you don't care that it took them an hour. You just want the garden done. Yeah. And if anything, you'd rather it took them less time, both for their welfare, but also because they they would just they've got an incentive to just charge more time and be slow. Is what's that thing? Is it like is it a dentist thing where you sit in the chair and they try and pull your tooth out and they say oh, I'll have this done in ten minutes and you go like ten minutes what? And they go oh, mm-hmm. sorry would you prefer it took five hours? Yeah, is that right? Have I said that right? <laughs> well, like where, where they go yeah it will be a thousand pounds to get rid of your toothache and it'll take me ten minutes. That's it. That's and it. A thousand pounds for ten minutes and they go well I can. Take an That's hour it. if you'd like. Yeah. yeah, I miss out the part of the entire story that makes the whole thing <laughs> make sense. Um, but yeah, you're you're absolutely right. Like it's with a gardener, if there's an outcome with that, it's not like you don't just want someone to spend time in your garden. You want it mm-hmm. to be something achieved, and if it can be done quicker, great. And if it's charged hourly, there's actually an incentive for them to take as long as they can. Yeah, unless you enjoy the active process of them doing your garden, and you're like, oh, actually, I'd really like if you did it for two hours because it would make me feel nice. Well, it's then it's like what you're paying for, isn't it? Is this, is the experience rather than an outcome or a service. Mm. But so in the, with a massage example, what if it was about like get rid of a knee pain? Would you prefer to pay hourly? No, just, you just want the knee pay pain for the result. result. Well, cause, cause you, you're not there to be like for the experience of them getting rid of your knee pain. <laughs> yeah. It's like skydiving. Like, if you want to go skydiving, you can, you can you can achieve the result right now because you're already on the on the earth. You're you're standing on the ground, so God, yeah. you've done the skydive. Wow, I'm, it feels great, doesn't it, to have done a skydive? <laughs> Did one this morning. Back on the ground again, yeah. <laughs> um, so we actually have a really insightful question here. Is this a would you rather? Yeah. How do you know? (laughs) You can just tell. Would you rather only speak English or speak every language in the world except for English? English. Hmm. Okay. What's your answer? Depends on one thing. So... If you spoke every language in the world except English, you'd probably have quite an easy time of learning English. Ah, okay. But I think that that feels like that's trying to circumvent the structure of the question. Well, yeah, I assume baked into the question it's you're not allowed to learn English and you'll never understand it. Yeah. 
But even so, I think every language, because that opens up a lot of opportunity. Think of the arbitrage. So I, I, I completely agree with you. And that was what was making me sit and think <laughs> about it. So like the, I think the most spoken language in the world is like Mandarin or like Chinese, isn't it? I think there's like yeah, a, there's a pie chart of everyone assumes it's English. Well, actually it's not English. Pretty sure it's Chinese. Um, so there's a lot of, there's a lot to be gained from speaking every other language. But in terms of my current day to day, if I suddenly couldn't speak English, like we run a English, like a, a, a business based in Britain where everything is in English or like everything on my laptop is in English. All of our clients speak mainly English. Everyone uh, in my family, okay. my friends, they all speak English. So like, yes, <laughs> yes, I could. I'm sure there'd be plenty of business opportunity by speaking other languages. <laughs> but it would be life ruining in every but other yeah, aspect. <laughs> but like short term right now, like my, my current opportunities would all, are all just completely killed because I can't understand anybody and I don't oh have any hope gosh. of understanding anyone. So while uh, you're off arbitraging, <laughs> <laughs> trying desperately trying to get out of the UK, trying to get out of your British mortgage with a oh. British bank. <laughs> Cycling every language I can try with the guy from Halifax. Yeah. And it's just, yeah. So that, that's why I think it has to be English. <laughs> that is such a good point that it, like, because basically tomorrow you wake up. Fucked. No Ingalese. <laughs> <laughs> it depends how severe the no Ingalese is. Uh, sorry, no, no English. And I become Ingalese. <laughs> So if no you like Angleterre. turn on the you turn on the TV, can't understand a word of it, can't understand like I imagine because now if you were to turn on like the German news channel, I'm sure there'd be bits of it you could maybe decipher and interpret. But if you it depends how bad it is, you know, like if you can't if you literally cannot you look at road signs, you're like no idea. Try and order a taxi, can't. Try and like buy something in a shop. Try and speak to the shop assistant, can't. <laughs> you'd, you'd probably, like, there's probably a lot of life that is pattern recognition and isn't actually understanding. Good, yeah, good point. The language. And it, I mean, it's still, still unpleasant. Like trying to maintain a relationship with someone who you can't speak their language. Either that or you just force everyone around you who's close to you to... So if you picked the language option, I would have to brush up on my Arabic or something so that I could communicate with you. Yeah. And the podcast would become the best online fitness business growth podcast in Arabic that the world can bring. I wonder whether... So like a lot of all the ads we run are to tier one in the advertising world, tier one countries. So English speaking, like New Zealand, Australia, US, Canada, UK, Ireland, etc. Um, I wonder whether there's the same industries in China, for example, like are there online fitness coaches and are there people running podcasts like this targeting people who don't speak English. Because <laughs> we, we couldn't even have a crack at an ad that like wasn't in English. <laughs> and it, it's sometimes hard to do an ad that isn't... So like doing an ad that converts in the US, for example, is harder because the subtleties, like the slang, the, the phrasing, the accent, all those things, it's harder to gain trust. Because people are like, who are these weirdos? Yeah. Well, so I, I, I just... I've had a weekend away with a couple of friends and two of which are Chinese. And so we were playing this game, which is hilarious. If you ever have a chance to play this with someone whose first language is not English, uh, we were looking up, like I was looking up common phrases in Chinese that oh, are wow. transliterated. And I had to okay. say it to them and they were trying to guess what it is. So it was like, Gong wa shi hu 
Han. And they were like, what are you saying? <laughs> wow. Because it's, it's a different alphabet, isn't it? Entirely yeah. different alphabet. And so that would be uh, the alphabet. Top to bottom instead of left to right. Oh, no idea. Is that right? It's because it's not even, it's again, like French, for example, same alphabet. And there'll be some words that you could look at and go, oh, I know what that is. You know, they're so similar to English or words that, that have like made it into the English language and it rotates, it's the same word, for example, in, in both languages. Um, but if it's a different alphabet, you haven't got a hope. So really then, you're, the, the answer is that it would be highly profitable, but very miserable and quite inconvenient in the first couple of weeks while you try and get out of the UK. I, I think more than that. Like because relationship probably, damaging. Well, you'd have to, you just have to restart your life. You either say to everybody in your life somehow, I don't know how you communicate this. You'd have to say, you know, use Google Translate and say, look, I got asked this question the other day on a podcast. Stupidly, I was focusing on like the, the geo arbitrage and the economic opportunities. And I picked to never speak English again. So here we are. So either you and everybody else that we know and love and speak to needs to learn to speak Cantonese or I'm going to have to move. Yeah, that's what and it comes down again. to. And the I think the geo-arbitrage opportunities will only get smaller as AI improves. And, yep. you know, I, I've had conversations with patients through Google Translate well, there you go. Like Romanian patient where I, I speak into it, it reads it out back in Romanian, back and forth. That is crazy, isn't it? That that exists. And it's so readily available. And free. Yeah. But it's not free. That selling everything you do to advertisers. <laughs> yeah. Absolutely everything. To the point where the FCC today have asked Apple and Google to withdraw TikTok from the app stores. Right. Which is, I mean, I, I don't know if they'll be successful, but they're saying that's because they sweep up everything, including like browsing history and passwords and all that stuff. Um, and I, I think it's because they're like, only we can do that. Yeah. <laughs> we don't want, don't want those guys doing it too. <clears throat> the I heard something the other day, I don't know how true this is, that like Google know your purchase history because like so many people use online banking on chrome for example yeah i, almost, I mean i almost don't yeah so like part of me has your reaction like yeah obviously <laughs> of course and and the other part of me is like whoa like that's a bit far guys like you shouldn't just be reading everything on the screen but then i'm using their product and that and what's worse is i'll have opted into it like you're using their free it. software that you probably clicked agree on the terms That's to it. at some point. I clicked agree, yeah. This is the battle that uh, Zuckerberg had when he was in... Um, Senate. In, con in Congress, yeah. 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 Or where, is, is this the Senate or Congress or something? Oh, I don't know. He was being interviewed yeah. by all the people who don't know what they're talking about. <laughs> and like, the, I feel like the, the, the answer to all of those questions is like anybody who has a Facebook profile has agreed to everything. It's just that they didn't read what they were agreeing to and now they're upset about it. I just think probably if you go on the assumption that anything you do on a computer is logged now out there for someone yeah. to do what they want with, mm. you're probably safest. The, yeah, I think the, the difficulty with that is that people ha end up using devices more and more and more, don't they? for for more and more of their lives and so like i'd certainly feel so you and i don't really upload personal stuff to social media like very very limited um there'll be people who are much younger than us now who are like hammering their personal life on the social media and that's just like think of how many hours of footage these companies have of these people how much how many data points they have of these people it's it's strange I'm surprised to hear you express concern about this because normally you're just like running out in the street naked pretty much. I'm not concerned about it. Opting in to everyone's funnels. <laughs> I'm, not, I'm not concerned about it. I just, the only thing that I, I suppose I hadn't thought about was, um, I think I, with Facebook, I like, I know how they gather their data. So I'm kind of 
at peace with it. The Google thing just feels a little bit more because they have so many more products. Like they have Google Maps, for example. The, the fact so that like, it's an internet browser, like you, it's a mm -hmm. free internet browser and you're like, oh God, like anything you do on there, it's now Google's. It's a calendar. So they have a calendar. They have a, a maps software that's pretty good. They have an email service and a browser and a search engine, two search engines. And all and that data is having a little orgy on the back end, mm -hmm. triangulating. Because the, there's theories that like Google can um, triangulate where you are and where you're going to be and serve you ads based on things in that area, like days prior to a trip. Mm. So, you know, you have like an yeah. event in your calendar. Google can read that. You have emails back and forth confirming flights. You have a, they can see that you're on a trip. And they start. They only need three data points to create a profile about someone who doesn't have a Google account. <laughs> <laughs> so, and I, th I think that was the big ethical thing that they were getting in trouble for because they were like, "Well, that person isn't a Google customer." They're yeah, they haven't opted in. Yeah. yeah. But if they're still using Google products, though, I mean, it's pretty hard. I'm trying to think: is there anyone I know that has never used a Google product? It's more, it's more sort of like system level than Facebook is, isn't it? Because I think we probably both know people who don't use Facebook, Instagram, WhatsApp. That they're very like, no, fuck Zuckerberg, I don't want any part of that. But, but they're sat Googling Google. stuff all the time at yeah. home. Yeah. Googling themselves silly. Yeah. <laughs> just because they don't know what else to do. Like, well, I, I can't use Facebook, so I'm just better to search stuff. But YouTube is a great example. I think people like their guards dropped because they think, well, but that's the, very similar to social media in the sense that you can very quickly build a profile of someone of like what they watch, how long they watch it for, what they like, what they're subscribed to. And, you know, and Google, what is it? Google knows more about you than yourself because of your search history. That, that Facebook knows if you're pregnant before you do based on the hormonal Data changes point. influencing your search behavior and they've seen the patterns and can advertise Pregnancy can't, tests and can't baby Google stuff. tell a, like Parkinson's based on mouse patterns? Like yeah. So then that introduces, if they have an early sign of Parkinson's, do they tell you that? Are they obliged to tell you that? Are they allowed to sell that information to insur medical insurance companies and raise your premium? And and meanwhile, we're doing those bloody capture things, like click on all the traffic lights to train the AI. Oh just being used as batteries for AI training. <laughs> <laughs> On one hand, I'm like, isn't it phenomenal that that that, that exists, that like that level of, of technology exists and someone's made that and it can be used for good things on one hand. But yeah, it, it doesn't take much to flip it over into this insidious, like that's all my personal private information that some of it that like I may not have even come to terms with about myself that is stored in some like water chilled data warehouse in America somewhere. <laughs> yeah. The, I think I'm more annoyed about my time being wasted, to be honest, <laughs> like spending, like I've, when you're like, I definitely clicked on all the traffic lights in that square and they're telling me I've not selected all the right images or like, Oh, the, is that corner of a bicycle? Does that count as bicycle or not? And so you don't mind about Google knowing, I suppose you probably don't use Chrome, do you? No. You'll use some, so. like, save the dolphins vegan version. <laughs> Precisely. What do, but you well, use, use YouTube. I know you use YouTube, so they've got you that way. You don't use Gmail. Have. You don't use Google Calendar. You definitely use Google, I assume. Yeah. Or is, is Brave got so a search engine? I've got my Alfred set up to DuckDuckGo just because Google limited their API, so you can no longer search Google within Alfred anymore. There's also Sheets, Docs, Drive. Yeah. What a company. We, what a company. We're in the ecosystem. So speaking of which, great question from an anonymous reader here. And he said, hey, hope you're good. I've been in a bit of a rut recently and I've found myself scrolling social media all day with the days just disappearing. Over the last few years... I've consumed self-help and improvement content daily, 
but I feel that this searching has become a bit of a hobby and I don't put any of the advice into action. Listening to traditional gurus about quieting the mind, I also find myself resisting every time I get a thought, even though I recognize how thoughts cannot be stopped. I just wondered if you have any advice about finding peace within yourself, as I feel like I'm constantly trying to improve and never feel good enough, and any thoughts about finding that purpose and zest for life? Big question, and there's, there's lots in there. You also have probably nailed how a lot of people are feeling. I've certainly felt that way as well, and I think hustle porn as a concept is responsible for a lot of this kind of an arms race a lot of the six-figure guru type people will keep out trying to outdo each other and say you know raising the expectations of what you should be doing in your life and if you're not a billionaire by the age of 20 then you're a failure and you you screwed up in life and you need to quit college and become a vc or tech tech ceo and all this kind of stuff so it looks like in your question, you've already identified part of the problem, which is that the hustle porn, the stuff that you're consuming isn't helping. You know, you've got the, the crux of the practical information and now you're stuck in a loop of consuming more stuff and all it's doing is widening this expectation of who you are right now and who you feel like you should be and kind of unattainably um, high achievement, the same as the way the fitness industry does, where even the shredded, massive vascular fitness models that you see on, on Instagram, even they don't look like that day to day walking around. So it's the same in the, in the fitness world. And, and even they spend most of their time thinking that they, there's someone else bigger or leaner than them as well yeah so that they're not free of the mm. they're not thinking like oh at least i've made it now yeah and this is the same with with making money or any form of growth like there is no point where you go ah i've completed it so you will never feel satisfied with pursuing that stuff doesn't mean not to pursue it, it just means that you have to generate a sense of satisfaction from something else the yeah. the other thing is that there's there's so much that you could do and there's so much self self-help information out there that you could be implementing at any one time that it becomes paralyzing and you end up doing none of it because you're like, oh, well, and, and really like if you were to reset the clock and start again and you'd never consumed any self-help information, probably if you search on YouTube for productivity or how to make money online or something and you watch the first video and then you, you closed your laptop and only did the advice from that one thing, you'd smash it. So informa more information isn't always the, the bottleneck. Especially if by consuming more information, you actually do none of the stuff that you're learning about, which I think is quite a common, because um, doing the things that are spoken about in all these books and blogs and videos and podcasts, a lot of them are actually, there's no immediate reward from them, most of them exercise, eating well, sleeping well, drinking water, meditating. Like you do a day of all of that, you might feel a bit better, but you don't get to the end of the day like, whoa, that was mm. mint. I'm gonna definitely gonna do that all again tomorrow. Like it's quite hard and it's actually easier to sit there and go, yeah, but I'm gonna read about the best way to meditate tonight. And then tomorrow, that's gonna be the day where I actually sit and sort of sit with the internal whirlwind and try and deal with that and actually do a meditation session. Um, yeah, it's, and I think you, the amount of content, the amount of things you can do, it's far easier to stay in the research mode and all, probably always will be um, than actually just pick one thing and do it every day. I think that's incredibly difficult to do. Yeah, I, I saw a, a great clip from a guy called Andy Batucci, who's very much worth following on, on Instagram. Um, and it was like a clip of someone saying like, oh, I just need to watch one more productivity video on oh, YouTube. I saw that. You shared that. It's like, <laughs> is it a brain? Is it a man talking to a brain? Yeah. Brilliant. Brilliant. <laughs> all, of, all the videos on that channel are fantastic. He really, really gets it. So, sorry, that noise in the background is Mike spraying his bum hole um, <laughs> in the bathroom. God. So, 
<laughs> the shut off. Yeah, Bless very, you. very loud. Um, so yeah, it, it, there's so much you could do. It's paralyzing. You need something to break the cycle. We do, ha you know, we're, we're part of this. We do have a productivity series on the, on the channel, but it's deliberately concise. It's deliberately the last time you'll ever have to watch stuff on that because it's just, here's the key concepts, nothing more to learn. Now go away and execute. Um, and the final part of it is about burning a clean flame. Now, you may already be doing this, but it's just about finding things which make sure that the unit that you're operating in, your body, is operating at its potential. Because if you're doing things to create holes in the buckets, then of course you're not going to perform well, you're not going to feel well. So the obvious ones, none of it is sexy advice, but stop drinking alcohol, stop smoking, stop doing things to damage yourself. Um, and then once you've got those in place, then you can start to add in the training, the meditation, the cleaning up your diet and all the other stuff. I think, so for the, for the very observant amongst you, you'll, you'll have noticed I've started re-wearing a whoop band. Um, and I think only really recently have I seen a slightly different um, way of viewing the information that something like that, a whoop or anything like that, rather than seeing it as a, I've got to try and get the new high score all the time. And I've always got to try and find the, the habits set up that gives me green recovery scores. It's more just a reminder to make sure that you are burning a clean flame. Now the, you can say anything about the accuracy of the data and all that sort of stuff, but you should really be in the green recovery most days with something like that, right? If you're doing the things that we know work, it sh it's just like a, it's a traffic light that goes off and go like, you're being an idiot. You're being a child. Like you're not sleeping enough. You're drinking alcohol. Your diet's terrible. You're training far too hard. And it's something that I think sometimes we, we miss that stuff when, you know, we, we can't, it's hard to be objective. You miss the like, Hey, you know, you are, you have, you only slept five hours a night for the last three nights. Whoop will let you know, or something else like that will let you know. But it's not about necessarily trying to gamify it and get the new best score. It's about checking like, oh yeah, green, fine. Forget about it. Like, yeah, I'm, I'm being an adult. I'm doing the things I need to do. Get on with the rest yeah. of your life. That's, that's a very good point that if you're sleeping five hours a night, you probably are some, somewhat aware of it, but you might need something to tell you like, look, mate, it this is. is really affecting you. Yeah. And so when you've got the cold data in front of you, you can't escape your bad habits and kind of minimize them in your mind. So yeah, that's a, that's a big one. You've got to get conscious first. The other thing is there's a great book called Essentialism. You can see my whiteboard in the background there that the arrows there are just saying if basically if you have task one, task two and task three and you're allocating your energy equally between them, you're going to make a third of the progress or less on each one. But if you just hammer one thing, task one, then you'll you'll smash it. So that's effectively what the book says. It just says it in a thousand different ways and it's it's a message that needs to be driven home it's one that i'm going to keep rereading to really remind myself of this um so you you need to decide what that is really the well, final I, sorry go ahead just one thing about the essentialism i think the it, this might have been in another book that you recommended that i would i would tag onto a recommendation which is four thousand weeks because it talks about this cycle of like always trying to be more productive and do more and achieve more when you know, actually it's, it's being essentialist, but I think that maybe the point he makes in that book might have been him, might be someone else that actually everyone, everyone hears that and thinks, oh yeah, it's about saying no to the things that I don't enjoy doing, but actually it's saying no to the things that you would actually quite like to do so that you can have a point of focus so that you can just do the one thing until it's completed and move something forward rather than being trapped in the like, you know, I would quite like to sit and research productivity techniques on YouTube, but I have to say no to that. So I think that's the, that's the really hard part about actioning the stuff in that book. Yeah. It's sacrificing the good for the great mm. for sure. Um, so the final two thoughts that, that I'll, that I'll give you, and I know Johnny's got some, some wisdom on this, um, is change your fallback task. So you mentioned that you're scrolling social media and you're finding that you, that becomes your, your new default. Just switch that. It's the same energy but just direct it into something else. So a, a great way to do that would be what, what is the, 
the default activity that you do. What you know, Let's say it's opening your phone and the app is on your home screen. Replace that app with the Kindle widget or replace it with something that a project that you keep putting off, like so that when you go to do it, you're like, ah, yeah, reminds me. And put the naughty apps, the um, Instagram and TikTok and everything, put them on the final page of your phone in a folder called twat or just delete them entirely. <laughs> so just, sorry, the, just one thing to yeah. add to that as well. So I had a client who used to do exactly this. So he, he was bad for going on Twitter. He replaced Twitter with Headspace. Um, he had a, of everybody ever, it was uh, Steve, I'll not say his last name, worked with him for years. You'll know who I mean. Um, he had the, the longest meditation streak of anyone I've ever worked with because he just always found himself opening headspace. But the way that he maintained it, and you'll have all experienced this, where you do what you have suggested and you put the productive app in space of the naughty app. But three days later, you've retrained your automatic patterns to still open Twitter. So he had a reminder pop up on his phone <laughs> once a week to, to change headspace to where Twitter is. So he was always just forcing himself to open headspace. <laughs> no matter what he did. Very clever. Yeah. It's a cool, cool way of, because eventually you find yourself just scrolling to the page in the folder that says twat and still opening that folder, even though you've moved them there. It, well, so the, the moral of that story is your, your mind is tricky and you, you know, you're always trying to outsmart yourself. So you've got to plan ahead. And fundamentally, if you replaced your Twitter checking habit with a meditation habit, how much, <clears throat> how much more impact would that have on your life? Like how much better would yeah. that be? Yeah. So change your fallback task. The final thing that you mentioned was you said that you're constantly feeling like you're never good enough and that that's kind of causing you to lose your sense of zest for life. I would argue that, yes, hustle porn and um, the cycle and the algorithm is all partly to blame, but people often put all the blame onto the algorithm and they neglect to to take on the fact that all the algorithm is doing is tapping into your human vulnerabilities and your internal stuff. And if you got rid of that stuff, there wouldn't be anything for those algorithms or those kind of um, things to hook into. So I would recommend for dealing with this idea that you've mentioned of not feeling good enough to pull it out at its root and then it can't get at you. So have a look at the video that we have called How to Think More Clearly, How to Get Rid of Brain Fog. The main idea is that willpower can change our actions, but not our fascinations. So rather than trying to run up against your willpower all the time, do some of the internal deconditioning work or re reconditioning so that it can't get at you in the first place. And there's many ways to do that. I would recommend psychotherapy because it's a very complete system and you can work with someone and they'll highlight blind spots and things but there's many suggestions in that video too. Very complete response. I feel like tagging my stuff on at the end is, is not, as, uh, not as comprehensive, but I'll, I'll have a go. Um, so the, I think the way that I view morning routines, meditating, trying to be self-help in general, all these things, it's, it's a way of, of like improving your rate of progress towards something or improving the, the journey. Um, or even at a, at a more macro level, just trying to become happy. Um, but in a very, a lot of the time, it's in a very indirect way. Uh, there's a, I think it was an interview with Tim Ferriss. There's a guy called Tim Urban who writes a blog called Wait But Why, um, which is excellent. I would highly, highly recommend that. But in a, in a conversation, he was speaking about this idea of, um, you know, really what most people want in life, like really the 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 goal that, that being happy is just crushing a Tuesday, like having a really good Tuesday, you know, really enjoying your day to day. And not many people really think about that. They're always focused on something towards the end of the year, something in months time, something in, you know, when I achieve this, then I'll be happy, all those sorts of standard goals. Um, but actually the person who just like loves every day of the week is experiencing area under the curve happiness way more than than your average person. Um, and there's a, there's a well-known exercise, um, where you, you design your ideal day. So you can sit down and you completely design from scratch. Like if your day could look like anything, what would it look like? Um, 
funnily enough, this exercise, I did it when I was at uni. It's one of the things that encouraged me to go down the career path I went down. It's one of the things that encouraged me to quit and work in propane fitness and, and all that sort of stuff. And, and actually, funnily enough, I'm, I'm almost at the, like, the original ideal day that I wrote sort of six, seven years ago, which is weird. That is incredible. Not, not, it wasn't this like perfectly grandmaster plan that'll take me seven years to get <laughs> to, but <clears throat> I've slowly edged towards it. Um, but I think sitting down and actually, rather than sitting down and writing some goals, because that's quite difficult to do, um, especially when you think really big picture, like what do I want? It's quite easy to think, well, I'm going to wake up. Where am I going to wake up? What's the room going to be like? Where am I going to be geographically? Who am I going to be with? What am I going to do when I get out of bed? What am I going to do the in the morning? Where am I going to have lunch? What am I going to do in the afternoon? How do I spend my evenings? And you start to pick out some things that, um, like the softer things that you maybe wouldn't set as a goal, like um, where you live, what your house looks like, what your plans are in the evening, how often you see friends, um, what foods you enjoy, like whatever, whatever you enjoy doing for work, et cetera. Um, and you end up constructing this vision, this this thing to aim at, right? This This target. And I think really when you look at self-help and self-development those things are just ways to help you in my opinion anyway move in a certain direction so morning routines productivity they kind of mean nothing if you then just sit all day and don't do anything right and you stay just my entire day is a morning routine and then i go to sleep that's kind of pointless right that they're, they're for something and that that's the part that a lot of the hustle porn peddlers miss out mm. Yeah. They'll talk to you loads about the the morning routine and the like all the, the icing on the cake, but often they'll miss the cake itself. Yeah. Like what are you doing the morning routine for? Really? Like yeah, okay, you feel better, but why? Like or you know, you feel more productive, but more productive for what? Like in the traditional sense, like in an economic sense, productivity is a measure of like input to output. Right, you put things in and what is the rate of output you gain from that? How productive is a system? How efficient is it? Um, so that, that, that kind of phrases, frames all this differently in the sense of, well, I'm trying to improve my output towards something. I'm trying to generate something, produce something, feel something, do something. Um, so the, the point you were saying about like never feeling good enough and, and always trying to consume content and, and improve, I Personally, I find it valuable to take a step back and think like, what, do I actually, what am I actually aiming at and why am I aiming at it? So once you've designed that day, do the like, this another well-known exercise is the five whys. So like, I want to wake up here. Okay, well, why is that? Why? Ask why to that question, that, that answer, and then why again and why again? And you get to some really deep understanding like what it is that you actually care about and what it is that you actually want. And if you then spend time pursuing those things, building towards just having days, strings of days where you just love what you do on a daily basis and how you spend your time. I think that's really, it's quite hard that that is a poor use of time or that you would not like the end point or the journey. And suddenly a lot of the self-help books that talk about these methods and tactics and tricks start to seem silly because a lot of them are done in a way to sort of mask something else. Right, you're 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 involved in self-help because there's something unaddressed und under the surface, or because you don't like your work, don't like your job, don't like your partner. So I'm gonna like productivity my way or meditate my way through that. Um, so under, I think addressing the underlying stuff is is where how I would approach that. Nice. So hopefully that was a useful framework to look at what you've described here anonymous man is something that is only going to get worse across the world as, as this kind of content increases and it, it widens the gap between what we think we should be mm. achieving and what we are right now. Do you think I get asked by like my dad and my dad's friends a lot, like um, what I think of, of like social media and is it easier for our generation than, than their generation and all that sort of stuff. I, would, would you prefer to live in a world where from a technological perspective, things are more basic, like there's no social media and like go back to our parents' generation where like you, you started a career and that was what you did. And you didn't like you, the people you compared yourself to, you sort of knew directly. 
and you weren't really aware of the person who's just launched a business and sold it for 300 million in Silicon Valley. You know, like, would you prefer that or would you prefer things as they are? Obviously, that's a split test that I yeah. don't know how I would feel in that situation, but the evidence would suggest that the, the bigger predictor of happiness is your neighbor's income relative to your own rather than your absolute income. Yeah. It's like your sister's husband or something like that, or like your nearest comparator, <laughs> basically. The person who's most similar to you, what they earn versus you determines yeah. your happiness. So, you know, that, that shows we've got an inbuilt comparator that is making us happy or sad. And that's a very flimsy way to hinge your happiness on. And, you know, my whole, my whole kind of internal life is, is trying to unpick any of those external hooks like comparison or needing control or safety or approval or any of that stuff because they are temporary sources of happiness. But it's also the reason why things like Instagram have caused more teen suicides and more yeah. anxiety and depression and so on because it just shows everybody's highlight reel and no one shows their blooper reel and so you sat there with your soggy cornflakes scrolling instagram thinking well their life looks amazing why doesn't mine look like that and then that optimizes even more for people that just try and make a, a photo that make their life into a photo shoot and appearance is all that matters and actually if you look at um instagram reality i think on reddit it's loads of photos of influencers and things, but from the angle that they didn't mean to show. And it's, it's always quite mm. grim. It's, it's, you know, you see the, the background and you're like, oh, actually, like, it's only from that one angle that their life looks great. Otherwise, like, they're in a bit of a, you know, they're taken in a shanty town with, with like, loads of people queuing up for, the, for that photo opportunity, but they've just taken it from that one thing where you can catch the sunset and it looks like they're just on their own. I've actually seen this happen. So it's a, again, I'll not mention who it is, but it's a very well-known uh, influencer. She happened to be, I was staying in Scotland with my parents and she happened to just be at the hotel. And uh, um. I, was, I was sat having lunch. She was, like, sat across the restaurant on her own. Um, and was trying to position her camera to take a photo of herself, like with a, like with a, a coffee with like latte art on. And honestly, but I mean, I know I eat sandwiches quickly, but it, in the time <laughs> that it had taken her to, to take the photo and then post it, I'd had lunch. Like I had arrived, ordered, eaten, and was about to leave when she's like posting it. And you, it is so interesting because you look at anything, you know, that'll be one of three or four photos she, at least that she posts that day. It's such this, like, so carefully curated. And like, the thing that I sat and thought about is like, what are the, what is she, when she's worrying and retaking it and redoing it, like what's the framework she's measuring that against? Like, what's a good version of that photo? <laughs> what is she trying to look like? That's, that's a crazy story. Cause you, the people seeing that, will probably think, oh, look, she, she's out in a lovely resort and having a nice uh, coffee and relaxing. How like, Whereas easy actually, and effortless and she's there. how lovely she looks. And yeah, well, actually it took her an hour. <laughs> it's the thing of like, um, you wouldn't really want to be, and these people who are famous, like people aspire to be like them, but actually you wouldn't really. You know, if I said to you, you can be in her position, but you've got to, but four hours of your day has to be devoted to perfecting these photos that that create this image that isn't necessarily true it creates like a rose-tinted version of reality and you've got to do that otherwise you don't get the sponsorship deal you don't get the i think i'd say no in almost every case mm. well and then your your sense of self-worth and income depends on how many likes you're getting God, and so yeah. it like perpetuates imagine, that, imagine waking up that and cycle. checking your the photo that you took an hour and a half making and it got like half the normal likes, how that feels. And what well, that does to your self-image. Well, how, and, yeah, how just it's uh... in control of you, the algorithm is this like black box that they just change randomly. Um, it controls your emotions on a daily basis. So it's no wonder that people's zest for life is, mm -hmm. uh, is dwindling. <laughs> the answer is just go live in a forest, isn't it? Just fully unplug. 
go and live in a forest. That's the answer. <laughs> or, or go and live in like a upper mountain and meditate all the time. But I think that's, that would be a really interesting long-term Netflix documentary that we, that we need to film over like 25 years. So you get like two people who are both 20 and one of them pursues, both left uni, one of them pursues happiness by traditional methods. So like go get a job, go acquire an income, go get a mortgage, go, you know, all that sort of stuff. The other person just goes to Buddhist monastery and meditates. <laughs> and in and in 25 years, God, we just survey them. I would love to see that. I mean, highly unethical to really? film. Unless they, unless that was the path they were going to choose anyway. But I think to do it as a randomized trial, who's it unethical? Like, right, you're in the happiness group. The participants, like if if you were to do a study, like a twin study, and you say, right, you're off to a monastery for twenty years, and you're off to be an influencer. But they don't have to be an influencer. They just, well, I think it's just that group just do whatever they would do, right? <laughs> so they're like left to their own devices. You try and become happy because that's really all anybody's doing normally. But mm. the other people, you go and like, look, trust me. This is really the way to do it. Like, go and speak to Shinzo well, up the mountain. He'll sort you out. The, <laughs> I suppose the closest thing to that is um, Chasing yeah. the Present, which is a film that we've seen about a guy who was very kind of type A, dealt with addictions, set up a vegan restaurant in New York and like, you know, threw himself into his business. And then he realizes that he's not happy and he's having panic attacks and so on. And he goes around different um different gurus and spiritual teachers and learns from them and it follows that journey and it's fantastically well put together i think it's on youtube yeah, it premium might be on gaia as well um yeah it's not on netflix or amazon yeah, or anything well, like that sadly but it is phenomenal if you need to be convinced to meditate that's the that's the thing to watch that will do it um when you've got like big names in the meditating world who are like brought to tears by just talking about the idea of doing a lot of meditation you're like god <laughs> yeah but that i think that would be um because i'm sure you have the same thing like i have the the inkling that probably the people who live the monastic lifestyle and meditate will actually achieve like paradoxically will will achieve the goal that everybody's trying to achieve far faster um but it would be the mm. route that everybody would, would aggressively resist. The way I've heard it described by Lester Levinson was that the typical pattern is human at baseline, desire comes up, that causes discontent. You then go and try and fulfill that desire. You might succeed. Desire is, is fulfilled. The mind is quiet and you're like, oh, okay, I've done that. <laughs> And you feel happy for a moment and then a new desire comes up and the same cycle repeats. And so he's like, well, if you just short circuit that, <clears throat> you're, you're assuming that it was the object that fulfilled the desire, which caused the happiness, but then the object keeps changing. So it can't be the object. It's the quieting of the mind when the desire That's is fulfilled. Fair. And so if you can just let go of the desire and short circuit the whole thing, then your mind's quiet all the time and you're just permanently satisfied. Yep. It's pretty hard to argue with that, isn't it? <laughs> I think what's even more insidious about the whole that whole loop is often the desire, it changes across different categories, but it within a category, it progresses and actually gets harder oftentimes to, to, to get it back down to zero. So like strength, reach a certain level of strength, want to hit a new PB, want to hit a new PB, want to hit a new PB. It's harder every time. Uh, Revenue's the same. Image is the same. Like anything that's a, a progression where you're like, well, I've got to hit this, this new high score. Yeah. It's not linear. So that, <laughs> the length of time where the desire is sort of left unmet increases. So you spend more time feeling discontented over, to, over time. That is, is insidious. Yeah. You could say it's pernicious. You certainly could. <laughs> <laughs> on that, so on that show. note, we are we have switched podcast hosts. Just so you're aware, the only way that will affect you, you know, you'll still have the same feed if you're subscribed on whatever platform, but 
you can see video now on Spotify and the SpeakPipe is now through Anchor. So you can go on our Anchor podcast website and submit any questions. Jesus attached his phone to one of those things that they hang off the front of ships to stop them from drifting away. That's my interpretation of that sentence. <laughs> Bye. Bye-bye.